0: Uh, you know, making sure that this podcast content content can t- can, t- can, t- can t- I'm gonna start over. You can do uh, this, guy. I'm a you're, professional. You are a professional. What was um in sports? What was the equivalent of what I just did right there?
1: Uh, just like dribbling the ball off your foot if you're
0: playing <laughs> basketball. <laughs> like just like dribbling I mean? it off your foot. Yeah, that okay. would be the sports equivalent, probably. All right. And right into the hands of the defender? or
1: is no, it out just of out bounds? of bounds. Just like coming, bounds? Okay. bringing the ball down the court unguarded and dribbling it off your foot <laughs> into it goes the stats. That would be the equivalent.
0: The podcast is called Who Cares About Men's Health? We provide information, inspiration, and motivation to better understand and engage in your health so you can feel better today and in the future. My name is Scott Singpill. I'm the manager of the thescoperadio.com. I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah,
2: and I care about men's health.
0: Go ahead and jump on in, Caleb.
2: You know, I guess my name's Caleb Meyer, and, you know, I just really care about men's health as well. All right. It's good to
0: have Caleb back on the show. We talked about motivation first. Now we're going to talk about kettlebells. Yeah, uh, i clapping
1: for Caleb, Scott. Yeah. Oh, so see, nice. nice. oh. see, see, you kind of, I, I didn't want to give the the wrong impression on our last episode. You opened with some applause for Caleb. You said, I would clap if I liked him. And then just the the moment never came along. So I, I have to give Caleb some applause. We're glad to have him back with us.
0: Yeah. Good. Well. Wow, Caleb you this, you've got you've got Doctor Madsen's approval.
2: This is an honor. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'll find a way to get through this without without getting emotional. But yeah, we'll try not to, to go to your head. No promises. Anybody you'd like to
0: thank on this momentous occasion that helped get you here?
2: Oh, goodness. <laughs>
0: You could thank Scott for giving you the microphone
2: to say, yeah, Scott brought me the microphone (laughs) on Friday. So,
0: you know,
1: (laughs) so that's where it's (laughs) something.
0: All right. Uh, This episode is called kettlebell curious, kettlebell curious, because one of the things you need to do to stay healthy now and in the future, we talk about the core four, we try to keep it simple because sometimes I believe that we as men can overcomplicate what we need to do to stay healthy. The things you need to do the core four plus one more nutrition, activity, sleep, manage your stress. The plus one more is know your genetics. And then actually it's plus a couple more because you should take care of those. You know, if you've got any sort of addictive or uh, dangerous behaviors, you should take care of those as well. We're talking activity today. So I used to exercise at the gym before COVID-19. I don't want to go back into the gym. So I've been looking at some other forms of exercises. And we have these fitness bands. And during the time I had these fitness bands, I Googled because this company that made them had a workout online. And then YouTube suggested another video i'd be interested in and this was the same company talking about kettlebells and i really loved what i saw with the kettlebell workouts. so i'll talk a little bit about why i like kettlebells but first we should say caleb uh he's an expert in this sort of stuff so he works at peak health uh and fitness in the university of utah college of health he's been a fitness trainer uh for a long time he's been a coach actually you've been a fitness trainer for three or four years you're certified in the whole deal right caleb that's right yeah yeah, so you help people like me with things like this. Yeah, when I can. Yeah, and I'm getting a freebie, so yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's why we do the podcast, right, Troy? That's, that's what it's all about. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I was looking for somebody that knew something about kettlebells, and I came across Caleb. So, Caleb, you train with kettlebells. Why do you train with them? Why do you use them?
2: I just think they're a unique way to um, to kind of do whatever you would normally do with a dumbbell, and then some. And add a little bit of spice into your routine, um, change up the stimulus a little bit, you know, alter that, that, that center of gravity of that implement that you're lifting and, and kind of just change it up a little bit. You know, I use dumbbells a lot, use barbells a lot, use bands a lot. Well, why not use some kettlebells and and throw a little bit of a wrench in the system and make the body adjust to that too.
0: Yeah, because given the body new stimulus is um, key to having the body adapt and, and staying healthy uh, and whatnot. One of the things that I loved about it when I was watching this video is uh, strength training in the weight room is very linear, right? So you're moving, you're moving the dumbbell when you're doing a curl in a linear way. Um, you're, you're laying down on the bench, moving the weight in a linear way. And the kettlebell looked a lot more dynamic because you're in a standing position. Um, you're swinging the thing around a lot, which, uh, there's a thing called swings, which engages your posterior, which really in the gym, unless you're doing squats and deadlifts, You're not doing that a lot. I don't think you're standing and it's engaging your forearms all the time. And there's this aerobic component to it. So those were some of the things that I liked uh, about kettlebells. That's made me kettlebell curious. Troy, how about you? Have you ever exercised with kettlebells? Scott, I got to admit, you've been talking
1: about your kettlebells for a month now. And I, I, I honestly did not really know what a kettlebell was. I just had to Google it to see what a kettlebell is. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm trying to figure out why would you use a kettlebell? Like what's the advantage of this just over a dumbbell or something? But uh, I think I'm kind of getting a better sense. I'm assuming it's called a kettlebell because it's got like a handle on the top that looks like a tea kettle or something like that. Am I, am I kind of on the right track here?
2: More or less, yeah. It's kind of just. It's it's like. Well, I mean, it was made by the Russians. So I imagine okay. that. I imagine that at some point, some somebody just melted down a cast iron skillet, you know, and then just <laughs> threw it in, like stuck a handle on it, right, to to carry it. And that yeah. was kind of that was kind of the advent of, um, uh, of the kettlebell. I would imagine. I don't know. I haven't looked too much into the. Uh, The
1: origins, (laughs) the origins of they just look like an old an old Russian cannonball, and then melted. Honestly,
2: honestly, that that may be exactly how that came about. (laughs) You know, that's an interesting
0: question you bring about. Like, how did this how did this thing occur? Right, it probably came out of a necessity to have something to exercise with and they looked around and they're like, well, we've got this and we got that. Maybe <laughs> we could put those two things together, but we will combine it. <laughs> yeah, they so. there are they're super versatile too, I think. I think from the videos I've watched, you can use them in a lot of different ways too. You don't always just have to hold on to it by the handle. Mm-hmm. There's an exercise called a goblet squat where I think you could hold on by the handle or you could hold on underneath it. Maybe I'm doing that wrong. I no, don't know. you
2: you're
0: 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, Caleb, so talk to me now. Let's let's pretend I came in uh, and I said, I'm interested in doing some kettlebell training. I'm brand new. Um, where should I start? Like what weight of kettlebell should I look at even getting to start mm. with?
2: Well, if if you're looking at weights, you're going to be very confused right off the bat because kettlebells were made according basically using the Russian pood. So now one pood is about thirty-six pounds. Um, and so and so you're gonna see a lot of odd numbers on those kettlebells. It's gonna be like twenty-four, thirty-six, eighteen. You know, you're not gonna see the typical dumbbell lineup of fives, ten, fifteen, 20, 25, 30, all the way up, you know, through whatever. So Um, finding one that's going to be good in the middle for you that has, you know, some random eight or something at the end of it is uh is not a bad option. So you're looking at probably like a 36 pound kettlebell or something, something in the middle, something that's going to force you to force you to fight with it a little bit, but also something that's going to let you get used to it. Um, that's, that's always my, my advice is to, um, obviously we're not lifting weights just to like. You do it right just to like have fun. We want to push the envelope a little bit. That's part of the whole process of of adapting and uh, you know, that linear progression of getting stronger. But we also need to learn how to use the kettlebell. So we don't want anything too crazy. It's not like we're going for two pood here, which is 72 pounds. We're going more for, you know, maybe closer to one pood. Let's stay yeah, closer sure. to one pood. <laughs> I've also
0: seen there are a lot in there are a lot in kilograms as well. Um so yeah. Yeah. So that's what I ended up getting. I ended up getting a 35 pound because my research led me to that. Um, but also the, the guy that I bought him from off of, uh uh, 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 used website had a couple other ones too. And I decided to get a couple lighter ones so I could practice form. And I know I have a couple weak spots like my shoulder oh, pressing over my shoulders is kind of hard. True. And I'm really glad actually that I got those lighter ones cause I can swing that 35 and I can do some of the exercises that I've looked up on the internet, but sometimes pressing overheads a little challenging. So. I mean, that seems like a lot of
1: weight though, just for like the average guy starting out with 36 pounds. So you but, but do you think you find that that's pretty reasonable with the kettlebell
2: exercises? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, well, you got to think about, think about once you get used to the kettlebell, it's, it's not really that much different than using a dumbbell. So, you know, we, it's possible for us to do basically enter any exercise we would do with a dumbbell, um, With a kettlebell. So it really is just a matter of learning how the kettlebell changes the way your body has to manipulate it. Um, Because of the fact that it it doesn't, like with a dumbbell, right, that handle sits in your hand, that weight around, you know, is on either side of your hand, right, in those those, uh, traditional dumbbell fashion. Um, but with a kettlebell, now that weight is sometimes behind your hand. Maybe it's in front of your hand. Maybe it's over the top of your hand. Right? It can't. It's not in your hand. And so adjusting for that with your body is a huge piece of the puzzle. So you're right. Hmm. Thirty six pounds, thirty five pounds, whatever that that is. Um, that is a decent a decent amount of weight for sure. But again, uh, it's nothing to be too intimidated by because once you once your body learns, once you get a handle for how to manipulate that kettlebell she starts moving pretty well. One of the, uh,
0: one of the exercises routines that really intrigued me, um, they call it hard style kettlebell, which it revolves around these things called swings where you actually swing the kettlebell out in front of you. And then you do a, what was that called? A uh, not a hip flex. What's that called? Caleb, a hip hinge. Yes. Right. You do a hip hinge and then it comes back kind of between your legs and then you Mm -hmm. thrust your hips. So it's a, it's a posterior chain. Like it's the, it's the glutes and the hamstrings and all of that. So that's the hub. You do twenty-four swings, and then you do twelve of another movement. So, like maybe you'll do a, an overhead press, or you'll do a a clean, or you'll do something like that. Sure. Uh, really like that that kind of kind of um, exercise because it looks very dynamic. When you go into the gym, the only time you're really working the posterior chain is if you do squats or deadlifts, and you know that's one or two exercises, right? There's so much other time you're sitting there. Uh, on the on the bench with the cable machine working your back or you're just standing there curling the dumbbells. but this is constantly involving that posterior chain, which I think is neglected in today's modern day lifestyle where we're sitting all the time. So uh, I really I really dig that. So um, what do you have any tips for starting out? So that uh, that little routine that I sent you that I talked about the hub and spoke, I've been exercising long enough to know that probably 35 pounds starting out, with the number of reps that they were recommending is going to kill me. Like mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good idea for me to do the first time because I'm going to be so sore. I don't know <laughs> that I'm going to be able to do it again. Sure. So, so what, what would your advice be for me as a beginner starting out uh, with my exercise routine with kettlebells?
2: Well, I guess tip number one, I think you just hit it right on the head right there. Start conservatively, um, whether, it's, whether it's the number of reps you do or the weight of the kettlebell or things like that. Um, give yourself some time to get used to the kettlebell right? You got to learn how to use it first. That center of gravity of the kettlebell is not in your hand, right? That thing can yank you all over the place. So you try to put that thing overhead. All of a sudden you weren't ready for it. Now all of a sudden you're falling backwards because, um, you weren't ready for that kind of weight to shift like that. And there it is. Now you're gone. You know, that can, and that can lead to injury. That can lead to looking silly, you know, and then, you know, looking, looking silly means you never come back to the gym. And all of a sudden we've totally defeated the purpose of the kettlebell. You know what I'm saying? So we got to make sure that we're, uh, let's get used to the kettlebell first. Um, you know, that's definitely a big piece yeah. of the puzzle. And then, um, I think because it's so different, um, people can be almost, you know, kind of afraid of it, right? Because you're always, you always fear what you don't understand. You know, once you have that kind of that grace period of of starting conservatively and getting to know the the, the implement, it's time to start getting aggressive, start going for it, get a little bit angry about it, you know, and start throwing that kettlebell <laughs> around.
0: Um, I, you know what? I, th- you're, you're right. Like I just, I kind of sniffed around it a little bit. I kind of messed with it a little bit. I watched some of the moves to make sure I had the form, right. But it feels good to get aggressive with that, that thing when you've got that mm-hmm. kind of heavy weight, once you feel yeah. a little bit more comfortable with what you're doing and making sure you're not you know going to hurt yourself. You're right. right. I love that. Yeah, I get angry yeah. with it. And Kate, yeah. if you
1: totally, you totally missed this because we don't have your phone number. So you weren't on the text, but Scott <laughs> just texted me a picture of himself. <laughs> Next to his microphone, getting aggressive with a ten pound <laughs> kettlebell. So, so Scott is really feeling it right now. Hey, I he's, like it. I like it. Yeah, Get aggressive. He's man. He's, feel, he's getting aggressive right now. I love it. But yeah,
2: throw that kettlebell <laughs> around a little bit. It's what you <laughs> yeah, got, you know, just Let's don't break do. the
0: mic. <laughs> right. I decided to keep uh, this little ten pound up in the office, so whenever I take little breaks, uh, work breaks, I'll just do a few exercises with it. So. There you go. There you nice. go. That's nice. good. All right, so start out conservatively, um get to know that form, you know, through that process, but then after you get a little bit more comfortable, um get aggressive with it. What other tips do you have
2: for me starting out? Don't limit your imagination. There are a lot of things that we can do with kettlebells uh that that we we maybe can't do as easily or as efficiently with a dumbbell that 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 are really great movements, things like um You know, maybe farmers carries things like that. Some good heavy movements that we can really, we can really push into or stimuli that, um, that are, are really good different angles for, say, our shoulders to be working at things like that. So, like, I have a, I have a list of exercises here that I think are, are really great movements to be doing with kettlebells. These are the things that I really like to do when I'm using a kettlebell.
0: What are some of the exercises that you wrote down that I should try?
2: Other than the swings, because that's, I mean, that's like the top exercise you got to be doing with kettlebell swings for sure, right? If you're going to use a kettlebell, you might as well swing it. And we talked about farmer's carries a little bit, but I'm a huge fan of, of the front rack position. Um, using kettlebells, so this this may be something that would maybe be a little bit more clear for those of you who um, listeners and for maybe some of our hosts who are like the front rack position. What in the world? Yeah, um, like like it, me. It's yeah. basically <laughs> a way of holding the kettlebells in front of you, um, basically creating a cradle with your oh, with your arms. Yeah. So I'm holding yeah. the horn of the kettlebell in my hands, and then the um, the bell of the kettlebell is resting. As I hold the kettlebells close to my body, so basically, like my thumbs are on my my collarbones, and I'm holding that kettlebell on okay. my bicep, tricep, forearm—that hmm. little cradle that's created by 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 holding in that motion. Or in yeah, that, by in that having position. your
0: arm bent. So, like you know, right. Troy, if you wanna if you yeah. wanna prank a friend and pretend like you've taken a picture of your bare butt, you know how you you <laughs> you you, <laughs> you make your arm to look like a butt. That's what this is. I can't, I've, say,
1: I've never done that, but intrigued, very intrigued. It's
2: vivid and knowledgeable is what that is. It sure
0: is. I just learned something new. I love it. Yeah, I'm, doing so, a, I'm doing that rack right now. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So
2: that, that front rack position I think is, is an excellent position to move. You can do, you can do walks like that farmer's carry. You can do walks from that position. Um, squats. I, th- mm. I think front rack kettlebell mm-hmm. squats is probably my favorite move um, to perform in that position because it's just going to be. It's just so valuable for upper back strength as well as obviously the strength you gain from a squat it's it's incredibly valuable for that shoulder stability um, I mean you're working all kinds of stuff with that so i love I love that front rack position you can do you can do a ton of stuff from that position on top of the fact that it's a good it's a good starting position for say an overhead press as well it's a good way it's a good place to start um, so that's a super valuable position that front rack so experimenting with that front rack position is gonna be. Um, definitely on my list of things that we got to do and straight Um,
0: wrists. I don't know if you said straight wrists or not, but for sure. Keep Those wrists
2: straight. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Uh, and then I really like, I really like doing like single arm bench press stuff with kettlebells as well, like floor presses or, or just standard bench presses. Um, and the reason for that is again, the change in stimulus. So if I'm laying on my back, right. And I put that kettlebell over my head that if I have that, the kettlebell resting on the back of my forearm, um, that's going to change the way my shoulders have to engage in order to move that weight and in order to make that that movement happen.
0: So you gave us four. Do you have one more? Let's do. You have, do we have a solid five?
2: Oh, I, I would say anything overhead. That that would be my last thing. So single arm overhead um, holds or presses. Or, um, or you can combine. Here you go. Here's one for you: single arm overhead hold walks. Ah. Oh. I actually was experimenting with
0: just single arm overhead holds and it's fascinating um, what it was doing to my back and shoulders, just holding that weight up there. So, yep. Yeah. So yeah, you're
1: holding it the same way where it's resting against the forearm, where
2: it's it's kinda the same same
1: thing as
0: you with the bench.
2: That's a great question there, Troy. You know, you can do all this stuff like with, so, so I, I have the kettlebell resting against the back of my forearm. There's nothing really saying I can't keep that kettlebell resting against the front of my forearm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or if I really want to get dicey with it and really work that stability, I can, I can hold that, I can tilt that kettlebell so that the bell is on top of my hand. And now I have to balance that kettlebell as oh, I'm yeah. doing the movement. Yeah. So you've got a lot of different things that you can do because of the center of gravity being outside of your hand. Um, it totally, that stimulus is all kinds of different and it really forces you to interact in a different way with the kettlebell and really, like I said, get imaginative.
1: I like it. Like I said, I came into this having to google what a kettlebell look like and I, I'm kind of intrigued. You know, it seems like something like you said it's a little more versatile. You can mix things up a bit more with it. Got a few more
2: options than just having some dumbbells around, which is what I have. So, well the real opportunity here too is that like for everything that I can do with two kettlebells, doing it with one also further changes the stimulus. So say, you know, I like I'm doing a front rack kettlebell squat. I've got two kettlebells. Well, now just do it with one. Right. So now, now you've got to balance a different way. You're engaging your core in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to do a farmer's carry, right? Well, now, instead of grabbing two kettlebells, just grab one, carry it down there, switch hands, come back. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now you're, you've, you, you're really like changing up that stimulus on your, on yourself. Single arm kettlebell swings. You ever tried those there? Uh, oh, no, I haven't yeah? tried that yet. No. <laughs> yeah. Give that a shot. Give that but a I've shot sometime. S-
0: I've done some of the other single arm stuff. And what I really like about that is over the years of my life, I've developed some imbalances. And Mm -hmm. uh, and as a result, what happens is like maybe it's an injury or who knows what it is. Then I start uh, accommodating. Right. So by far and away, I've got some issues with my right arm doing overhead presses. Sure. uh, And doing those single arm stuff really brings that to the forefront and helps me work through it. So hopefully I'll get some balance back again, which I know is going to benefit me in the long term. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So.
0: Do you have any um, any final thoughts about kettlebells? I, I do. Do we have Troy? Are, do we have you excited about them? Are you going to go out and see if you can find one? They're pretty hard I, to find. I'm right excited. Now. I know my my biggest
1: barrier to getting them is hearing your story about finding a kettlebell guy, and meeting him in a parking lot, and <laughs> buying the kettlebells from him <laughs> as he opened his trunk and and you you know then you inspect the kettlebells and made a purchase there. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the biggest barrier for me right now. But I I am I'm intrigued. I I kind of like this idea of starting out at. Uh, one pood, which is thirty six pounds. Yep. <laughs> Every single pood. Yep. I will. I will lift my pood. Uh, so, I I am intrigued. So I I'd like to try them. Yeah.
2: Just let yourself have fun with them. You know, these are great kettlebells. Are so good for you know core stability, joint stability, functional strength. You're really diving into some a really versatile tool. So you know, let the. This is kind of a. T- this is actually kind of a time where I do encourage people to use the internet because. You know, so many people have thought of so many things, you know, go on YouTube and type in kettlebell workouts and you'll find it. I mean, it depends on how deep down the, how many pages deep into YouTube you want to go. I know the dreaded two page curse there is, is very real, but, um, you know, go find some stuff to do with them. It's, it, it can be a, it can be such a versatile tool and, and really it can help you with whatever your goal is. You know, you want to get big, you you want for hypertrophy, kettlebells can do that. You want to get really strong kettlebells can help you you know like there's some there's some some serious benefits using those kettlebells
0: thank you very much for uh talking me through some kettlebell exercises i'll check back in with you and let you know how i'm doing here in a, a couple uh months uh caleb and thanks for
2: caring about men's health Oh, absolutely thanks for having me
0: time for odds and ends on who cares about men's health uh, just one item today troy we're going to talk about next week's episode with dr john smith So, um, you know, one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is just really normalize the fact that it's okay for men to talk about their health. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's okay to, um, you know, be concerned about your health uh, and just really approach it head on. Right. Right. So we're really going to test ourselves (laughs) coming up next week because we're going to have our urologist on Dr. John Smith, and he's going to talk about erectile dysfunction and like Mm -hmm. it just doesn't get any more. I don't want to talk about it from a guy's standpoint.
1: Than that right there. If you want to talk about stuff guys don't want to talk about, that's kind of the measure of like as much as someone doesn't want to talk about something, that's it right there. And we're talking about it.
0: Yeah, we are. And you know what? I I think that made me kind of rethink about like, you know, uh, for the most part, us men don't usually talk about our health or health concerns with our, our buddies or other men. And, you know, that to some extent probably should change. You know, this is something we could discuss. But a lot of times we don't even discuss it with our partners or our wives, right? Sure. So this is one of those things where if this is something that is impacting you, that's absolutely something you should talk about with your partner.
1: And I think, unfortunately, like you said, for so many people, you just don't even take that first step. You're embarrassed about it. And then it becomes an anxiety thing like, oh, I'm just going to fail. And this is I've got an issue, but I can't do anything about it. Um, and again, that's the goal of what we're trying to do here and talking to, to Dr. Smith next week is to say, hey, this is something that a lot of men deal with and you can talk about it and it's not a big deal to talk about it. Your physician has heard about it. You know, your spouse, I'm sure they're aware that there's an issue there and they want you to talk to them or your partner or whatever the situation is. They want to talk about it and they want to help you. It's so hard, though,
0: to, you know, not do that. Right. At very least. Yeah. At very least, you should be able to talk to your doctor about it. So we're going to talk about it next week. Um, I'm really hoping that there'll be just some good, solid advice that if you are a man who is dealing with this or has dealt with it, (laughs) he's going to give us the hard facts. (laughs) You're just just like pitching
1: him like underhand, slow pitch to me, just waiting for me to hit it out of the park. But I'm not I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there
0: is going to give you the straight up information.
1: I'm not going to go there. (laughs) I see what you're doing. You started out pretty strong too. And now now you just keep them covered.
0: (laughs) I didn't realize I was doing that until you called me on it. So that's kind of fun. Sure, you did it. Yeah, join us next week with Dr. John Smith uh, on Who Cares About Men's Health as we talk about a very sensitive topic. A topic a lot of guys um, would like to hide under the towel. I don't know. <laughs> I ran out of them. Under the towel. Erectile dysfunction. Next week yeah. on the show, and it
1: will be a serious discussion. It's not going to be Scott dropping puns the whole time. So,
0: <laughs> well, you know, joking about it sometimes is how us guys, you know, deal with things. Oh, I, I, you got to
1: be able to it joke. Absolutely, really cool. yeah. but it, we don't want to make light of the situation. But no, you got to be able to joke not. around a bit. Yeah. So Scott, do you consider yourself a procrastinator? Yes, I'm terrible. Yes, because you're in school right now. This is this is a tough time, and the assignments you're kind of putting it off to the last minute.
0: I need a deadline, yeah. and and I usually um, take full advantage of that deadline. <laughs> you're usually, like right <laughs> up against
1: the deadline, and yeah. then it happens. Uh-huh. It's interesting because I think procrastination is something we deal with a lot, and it frustrates us. And you know, maybe we don't get the task done. We don't do it as well as we want because we're trying to get it, you know, done at the last minute. So I ran across an interesting article here called Eight Ways to Curb Your Procrastination. It's from BBC Future. They went through some tips, I think, that may be helpful for you in your schooling. I don't know. All right. And,
0: um, you know, maybe this could be the core four, too, you know, uh, uh, nutrition, activity, uh, working on your sleep. Uh, Your mental health, all of these things, you know, oftentimes require you to do something. Yeah. And a lot of times we might put those things off for various reasons. So exactly. We We, can
1: tie that back into this. Right. In terms of making these changes in our own lives. So, you know, the first one is don't rely on willpower alone for motivation, (laughs) which is kind of interesting. You know, sometimes we're just like, I'm just going to gut this out and get it done. And that often does not work
0: well the other thing with the willpower is my procrastination i get down on myself like i just don't what's wrong with me i don't have the willpower apparently to do this
1: right and then you just yeah then it just kind of cycles down like i'm not going to get this done because i don't and we're just relying on that willpower to get through it but that's not the smart way
0: to do it it's not and as far as willpower like for physical activity i've heard that sometimes uh you need to make things easy for you don't depend on the willpower, meaning, you know, like you run every day, you don't give yourself the choice. So right. pick, pick a time that you're going to go exercise, maybe even put the gym bag by the door before you, before you leave for the day. So when you yeah. come home, the gym closer right there, you know, yeah. make it easy make as opposed easy. to depending on your willpower. Make it
1: habit. I mean, for me, it's funny. I would say 30% of the time I go out to run, I do not want to run and my willpower would not get me out there. So you can't rely on willpower alone to do this stuff. Uh, the second thing is look for the positives in the task you keep postponing, and this is an important one because you know a lot of times for me, a lot of the tasks I'm working on are writing research papers or trying to review papers or you know revise, and it's not a task that I often enjoy. <laughs> so you got to find the task. Like I'll, I'll say, hey, I'm going to work on this, and I'm going to be you know playing music in the background, and I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the latest on do that of you know, thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, on this Spotify playlist or whatever. See what else is out there. It makes it more fun.
0: Yeah. So try to find the joy, which can be hard at times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Number three, plan ahead. I mean, this, you know, it kind of goes without saying, I think that's something we try to do the deadlines out there, break it up into stages. This is what I need to get done to meet this deadline. That one seems fairly intuitive and reduce the effort involved. And you kind of alluded to that with have the gym bag ready. Like, let's not make this task more difficult than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Set ourselves up for success for this, whatever we're trying to do. Uh, Number five is reward yourself. And is this something you've tried to do with your school? Like you say, Hey, I get this done, or I do this this evening. I'm going to do something more
0: fun. Uh, That's never worked for me because I will not do the task and still take the reward. (laughs) reward. (laughs) (laughs) So that one is not effective. (laughs) So you would have failed the psychological experiment where they give a kid
1: a marshmallow or they say, if you don't eat the marshmallow, I'll give you two marshmallows in, you know, in 15 minutes. Well,
0: I hate marshmallows. So that (laughs) one really wouldn't work, but I do get the point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: that's a, you know, another lesson to learn from this. You got to find these things that work for you. And for, for that, I, that reward thing is just never going to work. It doesn't me, work. No. So
1: maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's not, you know, for me, I like that because I say, Hey, if I do this task, you know, I've got this evening off, we're going to go out and get dinner or something. And I will enjoy dinner a lot more knowing I got this thing done today than if I didn't uh, number six, promote a more realistic view of your future self. That's kind of an interesting one.
0: It is, right? And I'm thinking about, again, what we talk about on this podcast, exercise or nutrition. Like you picture this perfect version of you're eating just the healthiest foods and your physique looks perfect. But uh, it's just probably never going to happen.
1: It's never, you know, realistically, it's not going to happen. So be realistic about what you expect. Accept yourself, accept your faults, and, you know, try and be the best self you can with those faults. But I think that's an interesting one, again... Be realistic, not just about the task, but about who you are. I go for about 80 percent, 80 (laughs) percent,
0: 80 percent perfection. Yeah,
1: 80 percent is good. Yeah. And that's great that you just accept it and say, I'm not going to be perfect. Number seven, kind of along those lines to be kinder to yourself. And that's probably about not beating yourself up when you don't get things done the way you want it done. You know, be kinder. Look at the positive like, hey, at least I got this much done.
0: I've that's powerful for me like in the realm of diet especially i will maybe not make the best choice and I, then i i used to beat myself up and yeah. accuse myself of not having willpower or you're weak or well you just screwed that up you just as well not do any of it instead look at the situation and go well all right i slipped here but i've got the opportunity tomorrow to be better or take a look at the situation and go, well, why did I, why did that happen? And yeah. for me, it was because I wasn't eating before I left work. And I learned yeah. if I eat before I leave work, then I don't make those poor decisions at home. So right. don't beat yourself up. Try to turn it into a constructive. Yeah, absolutely. That's my advice. Makes sense. Is that 80% good? That's 80%. <laughs> that's good. All my, that that's, right? You
1: passed. All right. And the final one, talk about yourself in the right way. And I like this one because they actually allude to they, they, they do this uh, example here. They talk about, you know, not describing yourself. If if your goal is to run, not describing yourself as someone who sometimes goes running, but describe yourself as a runner. Talk about yourself in the right way, you know, in, in positive terms, like I'm a runner and I'm not a jogger. I'm a runner. <laughs> I don't jog, I run. So I think if you talk about yourself in those ways and you set yourself up like saying, Hey, this is who I am. Maybe you're not quite there yet, but you're
0: 80% of that. Sure. I think that helps you out in terms of these tasks as well. Time for just going to leave this here. could be a random thought. It could be something to do with health. It just depends. That's part of the fun. We're going to find out what Troy has for just going to leave this here. Scott, well, I'm just going to leave this here. You know,
1: there was the COVID haircut, like the self-do haircut. (laughs) And then I think the COVID cut, at least for me and several of my colleagues, just sort of devolved into just not getting a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of liking it long, though. I was seriously thinking about just letting it grow for months and months and months. And then finally, Laura said to me, she's like, You really need to get your hair cut. And the best part is Laura is the one who cuts my hair. Like she has cut my hair for years
0: and does a great job. This makes no sense. Laura is your wife and you went with the COVID cut as if you, you know, like were going to a place to get. But she's right there. She's in your bubble, man. So, like, what was your problem? I think it was a solidarity thing. Like I've noticed so many
1: of my colleagues have done the same thing. Like one of my one of my colleagues, Matt Fuller, he's now sporting a full on man bun. And uh, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Another one, Patrick, Patrick Okersee is just, you know, his, his is really getting long. So it's I think it was a solidarity thing like, hey, we're all in this together. Let's just grow our hair out and just do this. <laughs> and gotcha. And finally, I I got the feedback from Laura that, that <laughs> no, this is not going to work. You're not doing this. So. The wife, so, uh,
0: the wife Trump, the
1: solidarity with yep, the co-workers. Exactly. As, so ne- often, ne- happen. as often happens. Yep.
0: Just going to leave this here. I came across this interesting article uh, that talked about sleep and the flu shot. And this is crazy. So anyway, there's a research study in this article from uh, CNN talked about that if you shortchange yourself sleep, if you don't get adequate sleep the week before the flu shot, it can reduce the production of antibodies as a result of the flu shot up to 50 percent. Mm. which is massive. And the, the 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 individual that they talked to in this article said that that could almost render the flu shot useless. Mm, so, wow. um, you know, that is part of one of our core four, you know, getting adequate sleep. It can impact our health in so many ways. And, you know, getting the flu shot is apparently one of them. So if you get adequate sleep beforehand, at least a week up until it, then um, you will produce more antibodies, which will make you more immune. And just in general, the article goes on to talk about the health benefits of sleep. And also the health, uh, the the benefits to the immune system in general. So, you know, if you're cheating yourself, sleep, you're cheating your immune system. You know, that's the flu, COVID, colds, all those sorts of things. I'll put a link to that article in the show notes so you can read about that.
1: Yeah. See, that's not news I wanted you to share, Scott, because I just got my flu shot and I got it at about 3 a.m. on a night shift. I was at work (laughs) and they're like, hey, anyone need a flu shot? I said, yes, I do. So I don't know. Hopefully it still works. Hopefully it's still
0: effective. Yeah, I hope it does too. And if you haven't gotten your flu shot, do it for yourself and do it for all the other people in your life and in your community as well. Time to say the things that you say at the end of podcasts because we are at the end of ours. Troy's going to handle the how to get in touch with us. I'm going to handle the thank yous. Thank you for listening. Also, be sure to subscribe, podcast player of your choice. That way we are in your podcast inbox, I guess, uh, to call it that, every single week. And if you could leave a review, that would be very much appreciated. Because it does help other people find this podcast that might enjoy it. You can contact
1: us. Hello at the scope We're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Who Cares Men's Health. Website is is uh, who cares uh, you can contact us by phone as well, leave a voice message, ask a question, give feedback. That number is six zero one five five scope. You'll reach our home offices in Quitman, Mississippi. So we'd <laughs> love to hear from you. So <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring about men's health.